3: We're talking about the top 15 Zero RB targets, fifth year breakouts, and boom bust candidates on this edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hey everyone, you're listening to the roto Overtime Podcast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined again, as always, by my co-host here, the co-owner of roto Mr. Sean Siegel. I'm, I'm excited for this show. The shows have been going very good. The feedback's been good. So I hope you're doing well and uh, ready to wrap this one up.
2: Yeah, really looking forward to it. We uh, Our fantastic editor, Blair Andrews, is back from vacation this week. So I've had a chance to hammer out a handful of fun articles this is this is the fun time of the year for for fantasy owners and um you know i think some people think that there is this conflict between evidence-based writing and uh, you know putting together these articles that, that are a lot of fun and, and i just don't think that's true you know this week having the zero running back pieces coming out that that 15 player target list uh we've got some from some 50 some year breakouts at wide receiver and and why you might want to target those and then yesterday had you know one pick to crush ADP in each round and so that's kind of putting together my perfect team so it's been a fun week from a writing perspective and we are going to uh, cover some of those players today
3: yeah and uh, last week with Blair on vacation there was a lot of emails back and forth between me and you with uh post up this article on the site for the podcast coming out and everything. So the the influx of emails and uh, now Blair, uh, welcome back. Welcome back from your vacation. They're all going Blair's way now. So before we get into it, we've kind of hinted on the articles up on rotavis.com. And Sean also mentioned the the article we'll be talking about in a moment. That is the zero RB piece that he puts out each and every year. And of course, with uh, Sean's success with zero RBs, it's one that you just can't afford to miss out on. You need to read it. And it is a three parter. We'll be talking about the first part in just a moment. But to get that, you need to be on rotaviz.com and if you're listening to this show right now, we're able to offer you a 30% discount through the NFL homepage for the podcast, which is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it helps support the pod. So you can get that 30% discount just for going to the podcast page, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. And this time of year, the articles are coming out so thick and fast. There's just so much content. We've mentioned before about Dave Cabin and the great work he's done with the FF draft prep tools, and we're going to be talking about them again on today's show. But just so much up there, and later in the show as well. We mentioned last week we had two FF FFPC uh, passes to give away for listener leagues for $35 entries, and uh, we'll be announcing those later in the show. So stay tuned to see if you are lucky enough with a big influx of entries. And to that. So let's get straight into the running back article, the 0RB list, and uh, it's pretty much set up to to destroy your league, to go in, to just dominate, and to get those players. And if you look back through the years, I've mentioned the success that Sean has had with the 0RB, 2015, if we're just going there. I know, Sean, had really started in the kind of 2013 season where it's been publicized very much so, but... 2015, we'll only go back that far, and we had Devontae Freeman, Doug Martin, both absolutely tore things up. Then we had Melvin Garden in 2016 after having such a disappointing rookie year, and last year we had the rookies who really just did dominate, and that was Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara. So I guess before we get into the names on this year's list and who we need to be seeing, what are some of the things going to for you in terms of how do you go about deciding this guy is a potential target to have on this list? There's 15 names going on it. How do you differentiate the, as to who should be on it?
2: Yeah, so this, the methodology has developed over really the last decade, and it is based on the types of players that I have drafted in those high-stake leagues during that time. And that's not to say there won't be any misses. There have been really two years in the last decade that didn't go quite as well, but Almost every single season, we have at least one, if not multiple guys who not only do they fill in your roster because you do have to have some running back points, but they actually just destroy other teams because you're ending up with multiple running back ones right so we're not just looking to get a little bit of filler to go with these elite wide receivers we really want to have the types of top running backs as well that anyone in your league is going to have and so to do that we have a variety of things we're looking for one is underappreciated athletic profiles we've talked a lot on the site in the past and certainly it's well known in the industry that this this sort of goldilocks zone for running backs Uh, in this like 215 to 225 230 pound range you have a lot of stars in that weight range and because of that everyone is really going after those guys and it makes them very very expensive the other thing with that is that when you're looking at running back success and fantasy success they may be slightly different the the nfl teams are looking for these guys who can do 300 touches can carry the ball between the tackles can carry the ball between the 20s and you maybe aren't looking for as much of that. You don't want these guys who are going to take this pounding. And so, when we're looking at underappreciated athletic profiles. We're looking at the guys who are smaller and blazing fast, or maybe bigger guys with plus agility. Uh, people like Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, who were not as appreciated that you know first couple of months in the league because people didn't realize how valuable that specific profile was. Another thing we're looking at are backs with these high leverage touches. So as opposed to getting those guys between the 20s, you want the profiles, and it goes back to the athletic profiles a little bit, but you want these guys who are going to get those receiving touches. You know, certainly a player like a Rex Burkhead, he has some real question about his overall volume. He's being squeezed from all sides, especially uh, if their flashy rookie can come back. But the touches he does get are high value. He catches passes. He has the ball around the goal line. And so we want to focus on those guys. In some situations there, we get backups who are more talented than the starter. We have committee backs on high-scoring teams. And so players who can fall into the kind of opportunity that's going to make them not just people who will fill the back of your roster, but when they have their opportunity, are going to score big points
3: and when we look at it like i have been talking to people uh, over the last couple of weeks and i hear that people saying you know oh, zero rb's dead you know it's not going to happen and that's exactly when it's going to really have the upward leverage people just are so quick to go you know what did you do for me lately what happened last year overreact and we've seen that a couple of years now with the overreaction both ways people going too heavy wide receiver and this year very very heavy obviously at running back with some of the top wide receivers then falling to the back off that first round but you mentioned as well an interesting point and it was what people saying about the the fun articles and the stat packed articles and they can't really go together and i do see a lot of that on twitter recently where the fantasy football community is usually all together and you know help each other as much as they can but i've seen a little bit of a split but we can all uh, coincide here you can have those fun articles like sean mentioned and still have them packed with the stats but there's a couple of players in your first five that i really do like and uh, looking at them the first one up is austin eckler the other one is matt Breida. obviously Breida has the injury at the moment when you look at eckler last year and he's somebody who i was able to you know pick up in some dynasty leagues just off the waiver wire and it was one of those ones it's worth a shot if nothing happens, nothing happens. But there was some interest and prospects with them last year, and I'm just fascinated to see how it has changed around with them taking in uh, Jackson as a rookie this year. People have just kind of already started to forget about him and think things are over in Melbourne Garden who has had a huge opportunity in terms of workload and hasn't been all that efficient, is still there. But I think it's hard to argue against Gordon getting his touches this year, but I think with what Eckler showed last year, they're going to try and focus him in. With Hunter Henry out of the lineup, they might try and use him in some shorter dump-off passes to try and work in that element as well. But when you look at what he did last year, and I know you mentioned it in the article, uh, based on fantasy points per opportunity, he had a 0.38 score, and pretty much only Alvin Kamara, uh, Corey Grant, or Chris Thompson got anywhere near that. Corey Grant done it basically off you know a very very small amount to touch just Chris Thompson had a very good year last year and he's coming back from injury and then Kamara we all know about the efficiency that he had it's pretty much uh, unlikely he's going to get there again but if you look at what he did in college too a lot a lot of uh, you know impactful numbers through those times and I think you know while he is a little bit smaller you know this is a team who had Danny Woodhead they have had that smaller back in the past and I really don't see any opportunity uh, that he's just going to be forgotten about this season so he's somebody I find fascinating and I think that it's fair to say that he's that second running back on that team. I still think he's going to be ahead of Justin Jackson based on what he did last year. And uh, I think he's a very, very interesting player to have there. And Breed is the other one that I have picked out. And it's based on the fact that I was high on Breda prior to his injury. Then when the injury came out, I thought, oh, this is possibly something that, you know, is going to keep him out long term. But the injury seems to be a case that he will be ready for the season. He might miss a couple of weeks. It is a week to week injury. But I think it's going to actually you know depreciate that ADP. I think we'll see it uh, fall again. And I think that makes it for an even bigger opportunity to put him in there. Sometimes these injured players are out a week or two. We've seen it with Doug Baldwin, he's really started to, you know, drop a few spots in terms of ADP. So Breed is somebody for me who's interesting. They obviously we heard the stories last year, about Kyle Shannon hitting on the, you know, hitting on the table and wanting Joe Williams, but that obviously didn't turn out to anything in the end. Carlos Hyde's out of town, and obviously there's still a little bit. I think there's actually a lot of uncertainty with uh, Jarek McKenna coming in and afraid. and so everyone, you know, is jumping to the conclusion. It is possible that he hits that target, but the thing is that he hasn't been able to do it consistently throughout his career. So I think Breda will be able to carry the ball between the tackles and he's also going to get the opportunity in the passing game so i'm very interested in him as well if you look at his athletic profile you know he had a 43940, 42 inch vertical 6.83 and 6.85 in the three cone drill so very very interesting uh, and he has pretty much the same measurements as Eckler overall so I'm fascinated to see what he done again back in college 3,000 yards and 35 touchdowns so uh, I'm I'm very very interested to see what he can do with those two guys are those I know they're not listed they're listed as 12 and 13 in the article are they guys that you are very very excited about this year Or, or are the guys ahead of them obviously you have them ahead of them for a reason but are they ahead of them based on what you expect the opportunity to be or based on your expectations of the player as a whole?
2: right so the article is is basically sorted by where you can get these guys in draft so looking at as the draft progresses who you might target at that portion to help fill out your roster and balance the roster the way you want and i think these are two of the very best picks these are the two guys that i may have the highest ownership of so far and for the reasons you pointed out we can compare them a little bit to the human joystick tarot cohen and see that they are very, very similar. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that they'll score more points, but when you're looking at those athletic numbers, when you're looking at the size that's in that 195 to 200-pound range, when you're looking at a you know a 439 40 when you're looking at both of them with sub-7-3 cones, both of them 40-plus-inch verticals, when you're talking about two of the most athletic running backs in the entire NFL, not just for guys who are being drafted late, or people that you might use as roster fillers but the entire league right and now again that doesn't necessarily mean that they'll score huge points but when we see where cohen's being drafted when we see where they're being drafted and we look at the fact that the chargers and the 49ers they have teams that are likely to be more explosive. Now, I think that Cohen gets some play because people think the Bears really need him so much to give him a, give them a little bit of that excitement. And, and that's true. And Cohen is also a guy I'm drafting, although his ADP makes it much more difficult than for these two fellows. But when you look at what the 49ers are probably going to do on offense, when you look at what the Chargers could do on offense, certainly if you have any injury to Gordon, or mckinnon and and you're not looking for that these guys provide value on their own but they're also players who you know are a little bit bigger a little bit more athletic maybe than people realize they could have huge seasons if things break the right way and certainly that's what you're looking for in these picks you want standalone value plus this potentially huge upside
3: yeah and as I mentioned as well with McKinnon there and you know a little bit of uncertainty around can he actually do that role and be you know the workhorse back I think it provides even more opportunity Uh, like I mentioned he's likely to miss the the rest of the preseason but should be ready for the season and uh, if you look through what he his production last year obviously it wasn't much at the start but down the stretch from week 13 through week 17 uh, you know pretty much out of one game had double digit carries and he's getting uh, some targets as well although i expect his work to be more on the ground uh, i think mckinnon will still take uh, most of the, the work through the air but i think as the season goes on uh you know finished last year with 105 rush attempts so there is an opportunity in his second year for him to to bounce it back up and have a little bit more opportunity and when you look at uh, some of the stuff up on the side i've mentioned as well uh court smith i mentioned what goes into picking those zero rb candidates court smith has a good article up on the site talking about what he does in his process similar to what you talked with sean as to how to make those zero rb candidates and uh, to how to figure them all out, and it was interesting as well with this article. Uh, Hassan Rahim kind of stood in front of the train and uh, decided he was going to take take on Mister Sean Siegel. There's one up there as well with uh, with one of the picks, and uh, Hassan kind of said that it mightn't just work out this year. So go over and check both those out. <laughs> so just allow me a little second i mentioned at the start of the show our friends over at the ffpc have been sponsoring us over the first couple of weeks of the show here they've been sponsoring a lot of the shows on Road Viz radio and i have to admit that they're a fantastic service i'm drafting in a lot of leagues now along with the listeners we have had those opportunities for the listeners to have the leagues but unfortunately now uh, because the slow drafts are slowing up uh, it means that all the listener spots are kind of taken all the leagues have been filled but the 2018 fantasy season is in full swing and if you're over at the ffpc they have Pretty much a format to suit every single need and budget whether it's best ball super flex the classic managed leagues you know i'm in a lot of leagues now so i like the best ball it means that i can just set it and forget it but all the leagues are starting up at just 35 dollars. so they have you set up i mentioned the slow drafts and the, the fast drafts the lifestyle drafts well after this weekend is uh, only the lifestyle draft so you can get over there and still draft pre-season but uh, this is the last week for those slow eight hour clock drafts and uh, the ffpc main event has also been held in las vegas a three-day weekend and if you're you know unfortunately i'm in ireland i can't jump over for these sort of things but you have the opportunity head on down it's down in the planet hollywood resort and casino or else you can draft it online from the comfort of your own home and of course the key here playing for that two hundred and fifty thousand dollar grand prize and there's over 2.2 million in total prize money and again i mentioned this last week it leads to fantasy immortality so uh, it's just something check out the ffpc.com that is my FFPC.com. I mentioned at the start of the show too. Last week we had the opportunity for two winners. One was through the the Twitter feed, the at Rodoviz overtime Twitter handle. And I tweeted out the podcast link and we had a lot of people entered in. Thanks for all the retweets. And if you have a chance this week, head on over. Keep spreading the word of the show. It helps us here. But the winner for that Twitter competition was the Quiet Storm. I don't actually have a full name here. It's the Quiet Storm is and then his uh, twitter handle is at the infamous marv so thanks marv for uh, the retweet and uh, get in touch over at rotavisradio at gmail.com we'll get you set up with the ffpc entry the other winner was the winner for the itunes so i asked you as well to go over and rate and review the podcast on itunes and i thank each and every one of you that did it the winner was skelly that's all the information i use i, I there's meant to be a name left there there's meant to be uh, something i can shout out but skelly is the, what i got and skelly if you can hit me up uh, on that his email as well, and I'll get that set up for you too. So just because the competition ends this week doesn't mean don't uh, share the love. Make sure you share the love and give us a, a little comment there on iTunes, a five star review. I seen a four star review. Please uh, leave the five stars. <laughs> that would be very, very much appreciated. But uh, thanks again for the support as the podcast starts off here.
2: I could jump in for a second on those FFPC uh, notes. The people who go to these live events they absolutely love them right i i tend to do the online main events because i i often draft two even three at a time and so that's not as easy to do in person but the people who are at these live events rave about them you know claim that they are worth the money just for the experience not even you know worrying about the rest of the fantasy season They're, they had that much fun so i certainly encourage you to consider trying those out you'll have a ton of fun with them
3: Another thing I want to mention is over the last couple of weeks, myself, Sean, Dave Cave and Matt Freeman, we've been working behind the scenes on a couple of little interesting things for the 2018 season with Rotovis Radio and rotovis.com. And one of the things to come out of it is that we are doing a Rotovis live show each and every Sunday during the season. It will be a video show likely at the moment to be hitting off at 11 a.m. Eastern. It'll be like, you know, if you want your start sets, DFS plays, Dynasty questions, whatever you've got, just ask us anything. uh, And that'll be coming up uh, starting from the Sunday following this week. But the reason that I wanted to announce it is because it's going to be something that we're very excited to do. We're also going to have it as part of a Patreon page because at the moment, obviously, we do a lot of podcasts each and every week. We do them all and we love doing it. But just to help, uh, you know, support the podcast here, another way to do that is through our Patreon page. So this is the first week of the Patreon on page there is some other added benefits up there but the main benefit is going to be that you'll be able to get access to four of these shows per month so one a week four a month you'll be able to watch it live and interact you'll be able to come on and ask us questions on the show if you wish there's a lot of fancy and interesting interaction that can happen uh, and we're going to have more details on that in the coming days and weeks so stay tuned to the twitter feeds for that but the main thing is that patreon page so if you are interested stay tuned to the twitter feeds we'll be announcing more details giving out the links but it will be wrote his radio on patreon and it's going to be extremely good value those four shows for the opportunity that we have up there on the site so check it out and uh, please uh, feel free to support us over there it's very very much appreciated we appreciate each and every listener and uh, we do this because we love doing it and uh, it's just another way to help support us and keep the lights turned on here on all the podcasts moving into the third quarter here
2: we're looking at some fifth year wide receiver breakouts and blair and i have been sharing research over the summer on these wide receiver breakouts and we both independently come to the conclusion that these fifth year players represent a unique opportunity in part of the time frame where the later picks develop and in part because this is a chance for uh, some of these guys to change teams and finally get into a position where they have some opportunity. so In the last decade, we've had 14 players from this 50-year breakout group. And defining the breakout as the first time that these guys hit 200 points, that roughly corresponds to what you're looking at for a wide receiver to season. So we've had these 14 players break out. Only one of them was selected in the first 50 picks. So we're definitely seeing this time period where the late rounders are finally getting in there, making their presence felt, getting their opportunity. Eight of the guys were selected after pick 100 or were undrafted nine of the guys had just changed teams now in terms of what we're looking at later the fifth year picks don't necessarily go on to the same types of performance that we see from people who break out in the first year people who break out in the second year but the five highest scoring players in this group went on to repeat their 200 point seasons the following year and establish themselves among the upper echelon of fantasy receivers with this being the case, knowing we have some of these fifth-year guys out there, knowing that we're often looking at some lower-drafted players and people who might be changing teams, um, who are a few of the guys that you might be looking at as some of these late-round picks?
3: Well, uh, kind of, we teased it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, when We were talking about the Colts and some of the deep sleeper articles on the site, and I mentioned Ryan Grant. And uh, Ryan Grant, somebody who, you know, opportunity wise, I think could do it all this year. We, we, at that time, I think that's maybe show one or show two. We had concerns, obviously, with Luck coming back from his uh, injury to see could he come back. But, you know, all signs are positive at the moment. So you're looking at T.Y. Hilton. And then, uh, unless you listen to (laughs) Jalen Ramsey and his thoughts on Andrew Luck, I think Andrew Luck's a a very talented quarterback. So when we have him and the opportunity to be the second wide receiver on that team as a viable option, Uh, when you look at the tight end position, I know they've Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron, but they're still you know, opportunity to go as the second wide receiver on that team. Uh, running back is not 100% certain. Uh, so the, the possibility there for uh, Ryan Grant to have a big breakout this year is something that I'm uh, very interested in. I'm trying to pick him up in my rosters. And I seem to be picking up a lot of the players. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that I'm reading all the stuff on Rotovis and trying to do the same stuff, but picking up a lot of these guys in my drafts. But the, the stuff you mentioned, Sean, with, you know, the differences and, you know, 14 players in this list of the fifth year breakouts selected in the the top 50 picks then it weren't selected until after pick a uh, hundred or not at all so there is that opportunity to get these guys very late and we've seen in recent years even though they weren't fifth year options guys like Devontae adams who was tossed on the the scrap pile and then Nelson Aguilar, who was on the scrap pile as well, and uh, both of them had massive seasons after. It. So uh, this is something that I like that player, but like the zero RB. If you're you know looking at those wide receivers late, this is exactly the way I would like to do it. I mentioned Grant. Was there anyone else that stood out for you?
2: Well, with the wide receivers dropping like flies for the Dolphins, and I think certainly very clear question still about if Devonte Parker is going to make it at all. Kenny Stills, a good player, not a star. Albert Wilson is someone who fits that group of a player who was not a big part of what the chiefs were originally doing Um, undrafted signed and brought in there because his athletic numbers were actually spectacular. His college performance was very impressive, sort of works his way up is solid in Kansas city, but then moves to a different team. So again, we're kind of looking at these guys who have managed to stay in the NFL, and then that second team you know, really wants to take a chance on them, and Wilson could definitely be that guy with the opportunity that's opening up for the Dolphins. Someone who wasn't drafted quite as late, but had his career derailed a little bit by injuries would be Paul Richardson, and so Richardson moves from this situation in Seattle where he has an elite quarterback, but maybe a quarterback who has some issues with certain aspects of the passing game certainly an overall great quarterback both for reality and fantasy he then moves to washington where they're bringing in alex smith and smith a you know, controversial player a different profile last year than he's had in some previous seasons and so it'll be interesting to see what richardson will do and that brings us to our fourth quarter topic where we look at dave Cabin's excellent projections for the nfc east
3: so we look at the nfc east and of course we've talked about the projection machine all the great work dave has done over there with the apps and if you look at the content that he's put up last week this one we're going to talk about is based on the nfc east but when you look at the article he also is up with the complete set of projections for 2018 so he pretty much has every player in the nfl up there in the document and it also has a split into quarterbacks splendor running backs wide receivers tight ends etc there's just so much good work that he's putting out at the moment so we look at the players maybe that stood out from this uh, the article is titled barkley elliott and beckham are monsters and alex smith is a qb1 we looked through it uh, what kind of stood out for you sean uh, right off the bat was there anything that really caught your attention that you weren't really expecting
2: well dave's projections follow the methodology for projecting people so well and he's got such a full understanding from the stat explorer that he's developed he knows the profiles of these guys so very few things stand out as being substantially different than what i would project but one guy who is pretty interesting i think is mike wallace right so he's not surprisingly projected as the number three wide receiver but i think he's poised to outperform this and just crushes adp fantasy owners know about wallace's vertical ability and his sub 4-3 speed or at least speed like that that he had when he originally came into the nfl and we can use the stats for to see that he's managed at least seven top 36 weekly finishes in four of the last five seasons. So someone who uh, this perception is that he's on the decline, but maybe not to the extent people are, are thinking, even as he as he's aged his weighted opportunity rating has stayed very solid and his 2017 season looked a lot like his 2015 season where he ended up having the 10 touchdowns. Now he moves from a weak offense in QB to a strong offense. So, I think it's going to be difficult for Alshon Jeffrey to match what really within the context was a a disappointing season in 2017. It was a little bit of a bounce back, mostly because he stayed healthy, but he failed to really reestablish himself as this top alpha receiver. And then we have an Nelson Aguilar in there who had his sort of mini breakout. I think there's reason to believe he could have a secondary breakout this season, which would need to be fueled by more, volume so you have the injury situations that that jeffrey is also is always dealing with Uh, you're also having a little bit of an injury problem right now with aguilar and then you have wallace in there who is to an extent going to take over the tory smith role but at this point in their respective career seems to be a much much more dynamic receiver so with wallace having this early opportunity with these other guys dinged up a little bit and then the overall pie that has to be split you also have zach ertz you have the exciting rookie tight end you have some running backs that they're going to want to get more involved in the running game this year i think it's going to be difficult for the top eagles receivers to hit adp and i think maybe you see mike wallace really jump up there and outperform his late round adp by a wide margin
3: yeah, and just looking through the the depth chart now at the moment on this team, it is like the the Eagles are a stacked roster. If you look through, you know, Darren Sproles coming back from injury, they've Corey Clement who come on strong at the end of the season, J. Carson Wentz. Then looking down through the rest, they have Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, as you mentioned, and then a the case where Mike Wallace is a third receiver, and they have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Like they, they really have an impressive roster at the moment. But when you look down then and look at Mike Wallace, they've after taken him in on a deal for one point nine million, uh, and all the way is thirty two years old. Like that, just seems to be a steal at this current value. You know, if you're looking at a third wide receiver on a team and taking in Mike Wallace, I'm just looking at his stats over the years. And outside of 2015, when he was in Minnesota, and it was a disappointing season for him. Uh, that year, he just had 39 catches and 473 yards but outside of that looking at his career last year was actually the lowest yardage return of his career was 748 yards so you know and that was Uh, one game where he played uh one game less than all other seasons he's only missed two games in his entire nfl career so one with pittsburgh in 2012 and one last year with the baltimore ravens so he's been extremely durable we look at the players that he's facing competition with alshon jeffrey a player who i do really like has been a man who has struggled to stay healthy all throughout his career so there's a chance that we could see wallace elevate into that position as the wide receiver one on this team if there was an injury to alshon jeffrey i think that's likely the way the team have looked at it he's a bit of an insurance policy for jeffrey they give jeffrey the big contract this uh, past off season uh, and then or during last season rather and then they have mike wallace coming on this deal uh, as a 32 year old veteran but if you just look down through the numbers over his entire career it's been a really solid run for him and uh, looking then through you know even the last two years in baltimore uh, 72 receptions 52 receptions a thousand yards one season 750 the next year and then if you look at the tight touchdowns for both seasons so Touchdown opportunity will be there. Opportunity for targets will be there. And if there's an injury to either Aguilar or to uh, Alshon Jeffrey, there's a big, big opportunity there for Mike Wallace uh, in 2018. Yeah, the other one that jumps out is in
2: Washington. And we talked about Washington a little bit earlier. Uh, Off the air, you were telling me that Jamison Crowder really stood out to you as an interesting player, especially within the context of these projections. Dave has him finally hitting that 200 yard, that 200 point threshold right on the nose. Uh, Crowder's this guy; he's got excellent yard after catch numbers. Last year, he managed 5.6 in that category, which was 15th best in the NFL. But with a couple of other guys here, we have Richardson, we have doxson we have a couple of interesting tight ends. We now maybe have a running game that's going to flow through the passing game a little bit more with Chris Thompson. Crowder's median projection, according to the SIM scores, another tool that Dave has made available to you are 134. And that seems to me to be a more attainable number than maybe uh, hitting 200 this season.
3: Definitely agree, Sean, uh, looking at it. When I'm looking at Crowder, I think Crowder's somebody who's vastly overlooked based on what he's done throughout his career. I think when you look at uh, the situation when he came in, he was drafted in the fourth round, but there wasn't a huge amount expected of him. He had a a nice rookie season with the 59 receptions, and after that then, there was always the possibility people thought that he was going to break out, and then Garcon left uh, and went to San Francisco, and people thought, again, oh, here's the breakout coming, and he's just been kind of consistent, so 59 receptions, 67, 66, but I think now people are starting to think, maybe that's just all he is but I think if you're pairing with Alex Smith and you're talking about the yards after the catch I think it's a you know a kind of match made in heaven almost and we talk about players like Jarvis Landry and you know we don't talk he doesn't have the athletic profile to be able to do it but I think that somebody like uh, Jameson Crowder when you pair up with Alex Smith there's a huge chance that he'll be able to develop into this and him and Paul Richardson are an interesting combination then you look at you know the tight ends that they have uh, with Vernon Davis and uh, jordan reed if jordan reed can stay healthy so i'm excited i I definitely am excited for crowder i'm trying to not talk him up too much because i'm trying to scoop him up everywhere i can but with that he's somebody who you're very interested in this year
2: yeah so i think the the fit for this offense will be interesting and i'm wondering if you want to take a a strong position or make a bold prediction on alex smith and what he will look like so we talked about Richardson. He's, he's moving from an offense where his quarterback, Russell Wilson, only completed 44% of the air yards. So he wasn't that effective in terms of the passing yardage actually being caught, right? So he's moving to this offense with Alex Smith, who with his connection last year with Tyreek Hill, managed to have a sterling 54% conversion ratio. And when you go through and look, and again, you can find all of this information in the statics for... Drew Brees, really the only guy who jumps out as having a higher conversion rate than Smith. But kind of contrary to what you would think, Smith actually completed more total air yards, which (laughs) underlines just how run-heavy and how sad, I think, if you like, the passing game that New Orleans was last season. So, bold prediction here. Do you like Alex Smith being able to maintain this vertical ability or are we going to go back to where it really is Crowder and the checkdowns?
3: i think it's gonna be a combination of both i think you know with alex smith you're going to get the maybe alex smith maybe he's changed maybe he's thinking i'm a little bit older i'm gonna now i have got more money uh you know he probably thought that he was on the outskirts uh, last year in kansas city so you know put everything in the shop window and see what you can get then on the free agent market but uh, obviously he went in a trade in the end but when you look at the situation uh, that he has with richardson i think it's a a nice combination you know can you have the sometimes I think teams have too many of a certain style of player and I think if you look at this offense they really do have a couple of different options and you look at Dachson as well and he hasn't developed into what we would expect but he still is a nice weapon if he can turn things around this season the thing I'm interested in Alex Smith and you know if you look at the article by Dave he's talked about you know that Alex Smith a QB1 this year and he was obviously QB2 or a QB1 last year so you know if he can keep the same as last year changing teams is a concern but the thing that interests me is alex smith and people don't look at the rushing ability he has he actually totaled 15 percent of all the team's carries last season while in uh sand or while in kansas city sorry and if you look at the team then obviously the injury to p ryan you have rob kelly chris thompson i think there's a chance this year that he either maintains that or gets more so i can see that davism projected for 245 yards and two rushing touchdowns but i think that's very fair and i actually think that it could be higher than that so with dave's idea of him being a qb1 in 2018 uh, based on what the opportunities around him like you know the one thing that's concerned me with this team is chris thompson and he kind of has been downplaying his return from injury always worries me when a player down kind of down talks himself coming back from injury because it's usually they're too over positive but he has that opportunity there to have chris thompson who i think is one of the best receiving backs in the nfl he's jemison crowder who i really like from the perspective of the yards after the catch and you know he's kind of worked a lot in yards after the catch even last year the opportunities with Tyreek Hill and so on but then he also is going from basically the tight end two in the nfl who is travis kelsey some people would have him as the tight end one and then he's going to jordan reed who outside of concussions and injuries is definitely in that conversation but obviously the injuries and the concussions have kind of dampened uh, what people's expectations are of him long term but you know if he's healthy and playing to the best of his ability he's definitely one of the best tight ends in the league so the pieces are all there he's going from one offense he's actually going to i think something that's very similar styled and i think like dave has mentioned i think alex smith and if you're paying attention to my twitter feed over the last couple of months and i know the two qb gurus over there uh sal stefan ali and co are all talking about alex smith during the scott Fish Bowl. I-, I think smith is you know that player who you can get um you know after people expect him to be there and to be able to either and best ball leagues be that second option who gives you that safe floor or if you're going for the late quarterback right you can get him and i think you can be perfectly happy uh starting him weekly uh this coming season would you think that that's uh, a fair kind of summary of alex smith for 2018 i do
2: and this will be a a fun team to watch washington has an offense that when the pieces are there they can move the ball they can, can score some points and uh
3: i think they're very under the radar at the moment i think they're like falling into i won't go as far as last year's Rams, so people i, I think the general consensus is that there's not a huge amount going to happen here and then you know the injury uh, i mentioned sorry the injury to p Ryan. Right? the injury was to guys so when we look at the situation you know the running backs are a bit dampened down you know you're looking at you have paul richardson who's coming over from the seahawks probably not the the most fancy name in the world to the person who isn't you know <laughs> a fantasy uh somebody who's digging into these players like there's a lot of players on this team that probably the the U.S. public or the watching public wouldn't be that familiar with. And I think they're going to surprise a lot of people this season.
2: It's a great one to invest in because the points will be there, but they're going to go to players who are not being drafted early in fantasy now that we have the guy's injury. So unless they manage to spread them very evenly across all of those guys, uh, some of these players are going to jump up and be really good values.
3: So, we're getting in now to the last section of this overtime. We're going to rapid fire. We have a couple of, you know, we have QBs, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And we're going to name out a couple of players. We're going to pick one that we think's a bust and one we think's a boom. On each one, I'll pick one for the bust and Sean will pick one for the boom. And these boom bust candidates come from an article up on the site by Matt Wisp. First up is Sean for the boom. And we're going to go with the quarterbacks. It is Andy Dalton, Blake Bartles, Case Keenum, Eli Manning, Tyrod Taylor, and Ryan Tannehill. So, out of these guys, Who is going to crush the ADP this year? Who's going to be the man that can lead you to a fantasy championship?
2: The boom, I always go back to Andy Dalton. He's going to bounce back this season with Tyler Boyd and John Ross really filling out there with A.J. Green. And the Bengals offense is going to be a mini-juggernaut. Call him the bust.
3: I think just to head on it, I know we're doing a rapid fire, but I think the Bengals fit into that uh, Washington Redskins kind of category where people have just decided – we're done with them you know last year Dalton didn't do it AJ Green didn't really do it Tyler Eifert was injured let's forget about them and I think the values are definitely there so I agree with you on that the bust, right it's Eli Manning Uh, based on what he did uh, last year um, you know he was actually benched during the season for Geno Smith that was terribly handled by uh, the staff up there in New York but he was benched nonetheless and it wasn't for playing good football Uh, he has the highest ADP out of this crop of quarterbacks that we mentioned and if you look at the the projections for this season outside of Odell Beckham and uh, Saquon Barkley the expectations then for the rest of the team are Uh, a little bit lower and I know they have options there you know at tight end and I just I just don't see him doing it I I see a situation this year where he does what he did last year and outside of uh, Odell Beckham propping up his value I think uh, it's gonna be a tough year for Eli and I won't be one bit surprised if you know he doesn't finish the season as a starting quarterback in New York
2: all right switching to running back we have Matt Breida, TJ Yeldon, Bilal Powell, Javorius Allen, Austin Eckler and Latavius Murray. column. this time you have the boom. <laughs>
3: this is probably not a surprise from uh, who we talked about earlier but it's Matt Breda. and the only reason he's probably going over Eckler is that I think that he uh, has more of a chance to get a bigger workload because I think Garden is going to get that work uh, with the Chargers. I think the injury is going to help his ADP. I think it might drop around or two and I'm just going to try and scoop up as much of it as I can because I think come week 12, week 13, uh, I think there's a chance that he could be uh, seeing you know a third of the work on a weekly basis or even half the work uh, going up against McKinnon depending on how he performs. The
2: best is going to be Bilal Powell. Instead, add the rookie Trenton Cannon to your deep watch list. See if you can stash him in your dynasty leagues. Moving to wide receiver, we have Danny Amendola, James Washington, Keelan Cole, uh, Kurse, Inunwa, and Tyrell Williams. It's hard not to like the Chargers deep receivers here. We have the two Williams, both of whom could uh, really, uh, I think, destroy ADP. It's, unless they balance those targets very evenly, one of these guys is going to return a value. I've been drafting Mike, but the bounce back is also very much in play here. So I'm going to stick with the Chargers theme on the boom column. You have the bust.
3: So, when I'm looking at the, the Boston, I know uh, I've been kind of harsh on him all off season, and it's Keelan uh, Cole. When I'm looking at him uh, in terms of his ADP, it's not all that high, but I think when we're looking at this list of players, uh, he's the one that I think that's likely to not return on uh, what he can do. And t- people are looking back to those kind of two weeks, week 15, week 16 last year with Marquis Lee out of the lineup, with Alan Horns out of the lineup. And uh, I think that in this case I think we're going to see uh, a, a big slump in production um, you know I'm, I'm big in on Marquise Lee this year and big in on ASJ as well so uh, for me Keaton Nicole is the one that's going to be the bust in this one moving on to the tight end the last in the group and we have Austin Hooper we have Tyler Croft, Jesse James uh, Cedis Jones and then we have Vernon Davis and Vernon Davis is still sticking around it uh, seems to just uh, never go away but the, the one with him is interesting with the uh, Jordan Reed's injury history but Sean you have the floor the bust Who is it this season?
2: Well, I own a lot of Vance McDonald, so I'm going to hope that he goes in a different direction (laughs) than his uh, recent resume, stays healthy, uh, keeps that number one tight end position really locked in there. So I will go with Jesse James as the bust. Who do you have as the boon?
3: I have Austin Hooper as the boom. And, you know, he's. if you look at it, he's uh, 23 years old. He'll turn 24 this season, 6'4", 254. Uh, I think, you know, all through his career, he's been somebody who I've kind of watched and he's kind of developed along the way. He's never going to be Tony Gonzalez if you're looking for an Atlanta Falcon to come to mind. But last year, finished with 49 receptions, five hundred twenty. Five yards and i think i always look for the third year for tight ends to really have that breakout and i think if you look at this team i think matt ryan's gonna have a little bit of a bounce back this season i think austin hooper uh you know profiles to be somebody who could have uh, a nice uptick in the red zone uh, in 2018 so I'm, I'm all aboard the austin hooper bandwagon so I've gone rapid fire through those and uh, I think we've had a lot of interesting little points and there's a lot of good conversation throughout the show as well. I've really enjoyed it. The show's been a lot of fun to do on a weekly basis to bring to all the listeners. The numbers are going up every week with more listeners. So please do us a favor and as I mentioned you know give a retweet uh, to the podcast uh, when it goes up on the page that is at rotobiz overtime make sure you're following us on there as well and of course leave us a written interview on itunes or your favorite podcast app that does really help us again this has been rotobiz overtime brought to you by the ffpc my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host is sean siegel who you can follow at ff underscore contrarian and with that all that's left to say is have a good one Thank you for listening to the Rotovis Overtime Podcast. Please rate and review the Rotovis Overtime Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotovis Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn.